Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. Edie Pasalis introduces us to the concept of silence, and as we get older, I believe that all the ancient traditions and the way we need to live comes from a quieter place. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview about silence. Let's hear it from Edie Pasalis. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Edie Pasalis. I am so honored to have you talk about silence. <laughs> Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. It's it's an odd uh, odd contradiction to talk about silence, which are the things you lead at this. Why don't you give us a little bit of your what your favorite thing to do nowadays? I know you came from a silent retreat just recently, so give us to where you are right now. Well, to where I am right now is I'm I've we've just jumped into the recording, so I'm feeling just a little bit nervous. So I think we should have a tiny moment of silence <laughs> to to uh, ground ourselves. And so I invite you to take a breath, breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And as you exhale, feel how you land down and in your own inside yourself. Letting go of where we've been before. Let's take one more breath in, big breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. Landing again in this place, ready to speak to one another. Let's take just one more breath. It's time. Clear with our intention for being together. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's what silence means to me. <laughs> I always appreciate that. I, mm. I love to sigh and breathe and mm. down, and we have to remind ourselves. So anyone who reminds me, I'm always grateful for. <laughs> I, hope, I hope our listeners did that with us. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you came from leading a silent retreat at Kripala, which you do on a regular basis. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. So uh, I... Um, with my colleague, Jess Fry, have developed the Kripalu silent retreat, and we... We lead it regularly. It's offered once a month in, in a five-day version and also once a month in a weekend version. And the um, unique aspect of the Kripalu Silent Retreat is that it's not simply about being in silence. Um, it's about learning how to live from the wisdom of silence. And so it is really about creating this connection um, to the present moment and to the wisdom within us and around us in the present moment, and then having the confidence and the courage to act from that relationship. So, so that's where I've been. So it's helping us access this divine slower side that you go right yes. to. And, and, and as an, as, as I actually am reading an old book called Aging Through Saging or Aging Through Saging, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is as we age and sage, which I love to embrace at this open nester stage. Too many ages there, stages, sages, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to rhyme. I wonder, how, you know, what are the, what's the call of people in transitions that now have more time as open nesters that you see coming to these silent retreats that you are leading and, what kind of impact are you are you feeling that that has there yeah. on, on on in this kind of work? Yeah, thank you for for asking that. Uh, we see a lot of folks 
um, transitioning into third act and, and full on third actors uh, come to the silent retreat. And you know, the, the gift that the retreat offers folks is um, threefold. I think the first is a chance to simply stop and get present with whatever's happening. So many people, you know, at this point in our lives, as, as uh, you know, stuff happens at this point in our lives, things we don't expect, griefs we didn't anticipate, uh, failures, losses. And so the silent retreat is a moment to, to pause and meet whatever that is that's, that's happening to take, you know, to take a breath, to, to, um, yeah, not run away from ourselves, but actually meet what's, what's happening. And then also to, to inquire into it a little bit. So what do we think about it? How are we reacting to it? What are our habits of reaction? Uh, how, how are those habits of reaction serving us? Um, and then also, you know, through the end of the retreat, actually landing in. So what do I actually know now? Know about this situation, know about my life, know about what I need and what I want. That's not from a place of thinking too hard or from uh, being caught up in our griefs, but really this place of connecting to wisdom. What do we know? And so um, it helps people find their way. Through silence, which is so beautiful because mm. most of us get a lot of fear there. I, I do, I have a daily practice, so silence is not a foreign stranger to me. And yet it took me years to develop and there are days that I can't find that silence. So how do you help people that are like, oh my God, I could never just go into silence and, and how, and how do people respond when they arrive and what kind of changes do you see? Mm, thank you. So, um, you know, people, we have a lot of folks come who have, a, who have only a small relationship to silence. This is kind of their, their stepping deeply, particularly for the weekend. That's a place where a lot of people come for their first dose of, of silence. Um, and one of the things we do is include uh, a lot of embodiment practice. So it's not just, uh, you know, sit still on your cushion with all the discipline you can muster. Uh, it, it that we provide a lot of um movement practice, which helps people calm down, which helps people uh, kind of gather themselves into silence rather than just diving right into sitting. So we we use a lot of movement practice to, uh, and it's very gentle. It's made for all bodies. We, we, we actually had a 93-year-old man come through the program. So uh, it's not like hot yoga, but it's a way of using the kind of more like Tai Chi or Qigong, using the body as a way of, of gathering. That's really helpful for, for new folk. And then we also um, offer times for integration. So reflection and journaling to make sense of what's happening. Um, that's kind of an unusual aspect for other silent retreats, which would would have you leave your journal at home, would have you leave you know all of that part of yourself out and just um, come to awareness. Beautiful. And and so the the, the first timers. I mean, I, I do want to say that I know that I've been to a few silent treats, never a Kripalu, and usually the leaders speak, and we're encouraged oh, yes, not yes. to speak. So I, just for anyone who doesn't know, so it's it's it, you're you're <laughs> yes. in silence in your own, but you're being guided. So I'm going to be doing embodiment practices or going in into the the this exploration of your of your body and embodiment, um, unless you're being guided. So, so yes. 
we, we, you will not be alone and it will not be an entire silence. Yes, my colleague and I, we guide the experience. I, I actually just read this because I was saying I'm reading this, uh, the, the Zalman Schechter Shalomi and Ronald Miller book, I think again from years ago, and it talks about harvesting life like mm-hmm. and social transformation. So you talked about community, and I feel like when we harvest from the inside, we're not coming from this place of analysis. And and when we've lived this many years, I think that's a big part of a problem for people. They're overthinking their regrets. They're, they can't let go of things. So where where are the challenges that you see the open, where do you see the challenges? Where do you see the openings, obstacles, openings for people? The the challenges uh, in this age are in some ways the challenges at every age, which is to actually feel our experience, to not try to think our way into making something perfect or getting through it without actually having to feel it. Uh, so the the invitation is to experience to taste to savor our lives rather than to rush through or miss it um your your comment about living living from a place that's not analysis is is so spot on like our minds are are beautiful but they should be in the service of this uh unfolding aliveness so I'm sorry. So you 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 like this idea of that we're letting go of the analysis, and I think that's a big part of who we are as we become wiser. So 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 your own wisdom. Tell me a little bit about your 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 life and how you're you're centered yourself. Maybe some of your practices, or and I know that you have a partner of I think you told me 18 years or so, and you know how how you came into that partnership and becoming your most unique self and how maybe how does silence even inform that well in my early 20s i discovered ayurveda and had a teacher in boston loretta levitz who was uh, dr vasant lad's very first western student and she introduced me not only to all of the lifestyle practices of ayurveda which is kind of like the the indian yoga version of Chinese medicine, just, um, and also, she also introduced me to yoga and the practices of breathing and awareness and movement, bringing all of that together, which helped me kind of tap into this quality of knowing that is underneath the thinking, underneath the wanting. And so, I started following that for my life, like letting that be the guide. And it uh, led me to leave my corporate job (laughs) to go to divinity school and study the roots of yoga, Sanskrit, ancient Indian civilizations, spirituality and healing, the sacred texts. It also led me to do yoga teacher training at Kripalu, which has been in some ways my spiritual home since 2000. And it also led me into relationship with my now wife. I uh, had, for the younger part of my life, thought of myself as heterosexual, as, you know, I had anticipated that I would marry a man and, and live a life very much like I had seen all my friends do. And through this practice came both to uh, a period of 
of stillness in my relationships and took a little pause, a break, just to bring more awareness to how I was in relationship. And in that, in that um, intentionality came to discover that, in fact, I was in love with this wonderful woman. And so we have been now married quite a long time. And, and so the, so you're, you're listening to that silence, I think is such a big part of what we have rushed through most of our lives. Many people Mm. didn't find that in their twenties. And um, so I I love the idea of really pausing at this Mm -hmm. stage of life. And so allowing for people to really reflect. And so if you had to have people like whether it, if they, if, whether it's silence or yoga or a combination of both, if someone's entering this idea of what am I open to, they're questioning, mm-hmm. how do you help them kind of think through or feel through or yes. open through to what is what is it that's calling them to, to start exploring, to find their authentic voice and even make a decision about mm-hmm. anything in life, whether it's partnership, their divorce, whether it's children, whether it's alone time. Many women, as they get older, are having to live or living living apart and even staying together with a husband. We've interviewed people because they need their their space. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you approach this and t- teach people. Yeah. So I think of um, this wisdom as living in the cycle of birth and death and creation and dissolution. And part of the capacity to live in this way is to get familiar in your own self to what's the call of what's what's wanting to be born what's the call that's calling you forward and then also what's the call of what needs to be let go of what's the call of what's passing away and and to feel in the body kind of like we you know we did this beautiful breath at the beginning kind of like the cycle of the breath you can feel the in- inhalation the arising the 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 birth of the inhalation and then you know if, like you can't just keep inhaling forever there is a moment when the inhale says that's enough and then there's a pause a space and then the exhale begins. And just like with the inhale, you can't exhale forever. You can't let go forever. The exhale tells you that's enough. And then there's this pause and a space. So, so in my practice, in my work, I invite people to get really familiar with this felt sense of the ebb and flow. And to know that the ebb and flow is held in the in the space, in the broader awareness, the broader aliveness, so that it's not like um, it's not like by letting go uh, we we die necessarily. Something has to die, but our our self, our um, yeah, our own aliveness continues. Well, the cells are continuously being reborn. It's just we don't tune into those enough to know right, right. to feel it. And even when I feel like I am, you know, embodied some of the time as much as I can, I, I don't notice how that 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 new thing is born again. And yet, when I'm in nature, especially, I do, because um, I connect more to the ground, my feet in the ground, or the trees, and how they're accepting the my my son who was uh, my third child who was very, very much the linear kid in our family. The other two are artists. And he started sitting outside with me and he said, mom, isn't it interesting how the, how the leaves welcome the breeze? 
Like I was like, oh, oh that's it. If my skin and my body can just do that, like let that ebb and flow of the mm. welcoming the breeze and knowing that the trees are going to die, that, that the leaves are going to fall, that we are all in the recycling mode of, of, of rebirthing ourselves. Yes. Um, so I, I, uh, so, you know, the anxiety thing is interesting though, because when people start, don't haven't done much of this work, it's hard at the beginning because all that stuff comes up, right? I mean, you probably see it at retreats or with clients. I mean, even the idea of thinking of the past versus what's coming next is like all that stuff it's so hard to just let go. Do 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 exactly what you said. So how are some? How do you help people work through that and accept mm-hmm. themselves where they are? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a moment by moment like <laughs> adventure. And Kerbalo has a beautiful little self coaching device that we use in the retreat, and that that I have used for my life. It's. Uh, Breathe, relax, feel, watch, allow. Refuah. It's a horrible, horrible. Well, refuah means heal in the Hebrew. Oh, it refuah. R is it an R up front? No, B. Breathe. B. B. R. Relax. F. B. Feel. W. Watch. A. Allow. And this is a practice that you can you can use these words. They they are so simple, but they open to such depth. Breathe, relax, feel. What's watch that? watch and allow w okay good yeah yeah and so this is a very simple tool moment by moment to stay with what's unfolding whether it's arriving or departing um and it is a tool that helps us bring our bodies our hearts and our attention all into the same field right so that we're we're not pulling in different directions. I've done a, a one interview with one of my colleagues because I we I did a, my master's in consciousness and she's a mindfulness based MBSR teacher. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this idea that we are, you know, paying attention non judgmentally, whatever what's that what's the three words? Paying attention on purpose non judgmentally is mindfulness. So this takes it even to like this idea that paying attention to how do we feel and through that breath it's like taking all of that into our so uh rifua is interesting it means healing mm. nishima in hebrew is from the soul nishama nishama means the soul so if we don't breathe into the soul we're not accessing our divine and then allowing it is what you know we're saying god's allowing us to be who we are just not right. trying to fight that so much, so much of that in this world, and that's what I think that you giving up the corporate job. And I wonder if you have any any other stories or anecdotes about watching people come to Kripalu and kind of change their at this day. Especially, I like to talk about this stage of life. They've been only a parent. They've only had one identity. Especially right. mothers, like any of that that you can reflect upon by noticing how mothers have behaved when they have when they're when they're looking for something a no opening. Well, people who have spent their lives parenting or working in the workplace uh, with the kind of incessant demands that are present there and and feel, it feels to me that the focus is outward. Like, I need to take care of, of you, child. I need to take care of you, workplace. And the pace is kind of relenting. And it doesn't allow for um, 
a lot of attending to self, a lot of attending to what's happening inside. Like, what do I actually want? What do I actually need here? And so um, the very first step in supporting a transition is to kind of take a U-turn, turn the focus inward from not what is needed outside, but what's actually happening inside. There's just like a, a major movie happening all the time inside and just becoming a little bit more aware of that moment by moment. And so anyone that you can point to that has, has you know, undergone that kind of that transformation that that what are some of the obstacles that come up when they start pushing back to that they're, they have boundaries with their kids? Maybe they start behaving differently. Anything that you can point to to help someone make that transition? Anything, anytime you change yourself, you're going to change this outer, you know, your, your relationships. And you need to be able to tolerate the discomfort of that. You're not responsible for the discomfort of other people by being yourself. One of my one of my colleagues, Nancy Collier, she's written a book, The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, and uh, she she does a, a workshop at Kripalu on that as well. And one of the key um, elements of that is you're not responsible for someone else's discomfort. Your being is not responsible for their discomfort. You are responsible for. Uh, your own response for staying in alignment with yourself and they are responsible for finding their own way. Right. And that's really hard. That's really hard because we want to make everybody comfortable. I think we want everyone to like us. We want everyone to um, think well of us and to be in harmony but in fact, to be true is is not is to not always be in harmony. To be true is to be in a storm with others uh, sometimes, and to be able to tolerate that. So tolerating the storm is exactly the idea, like that idea of nature. Um, you know, we don't we don't like to. <laughs> we want to smooth things over. I mean, right now, you know, one of my kids is is very distraught and uh, like my my natural tendency is to run into the city and want to spend the night or see what I could do or bring them food or what can I do to fix it or take care of it. And I've gotten better at saying, what would, how can I support you? Because um. I don't, it doesn't mean that I, and, and, and it's been a process. Actually, I think I pulled back too much at some point and then it's a dance. So I, 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 I know that, that um, they were hurt on some level when I, when at uh, when they had a lot of trauma at some point years back, that they that we we were still going to put our boundaries up and have have they were doing the best they could and I was there when I could, but then I was having a good time and they were having a hard time connecting that I could have such a good time, and then there was some guilt there too that they tried to put on me, and so that was a process. It's so interesting when we're doing this dance of motherhood and fatherhood or caretaking. So that's so, so I just getting silent that yeah. helps me kind of rebound to I can only show up the best I can and I can continue to learn from your how I can can support you in a way that offers me my space as well it's finding that dance between mm -hmm. and and I would love to reframe it from um, doing as good as I can to being clear what you serve because if you are serving the idea of a perfect mother there is no or a perfect leader, and I, I work with leaders. Um, 
there is no end to that work. You know, you, it's, it's like there is no. Uh, you could you could exhaust yourself and your children or your your employees by trying to be the perfect mother or the perfect leader. If you are instead in relationship to what is arising and what is passing away and can feel the difference between a habitual response and one that is occurring in the moment, like that is sort of a natural, then you are serving this greater aliveness both in yourself and in those around you. So for example, just to give it just to give us I was was co-facilitating a, a retreat recently and um you know we have a we had our plan, we had an intention for the retreat and we could have kind of lived into that that plan exactly as it was, but there was a moment where something came from the group it's like, oh, this is actually what's what is needed here, right? And so responding to that, like, oh, I can feel what my job is, is to open and say that there's a possibility here. Let's live into it, um, which is different than... Doing the best you can in a habitual way. Yes, yes. So like when you hear your kids being upset, you can listen for... What's my, you know, yes, I'm a mother. This is upsetting to me. Okay, I have to hold that, right? And but listen underneath that upset for what is actually being called for here. What is the what will serve me and my child towards growth, towards well-being, you know, what um yeah, listening underneath the habit. Absolutely. I feel like that. And also listening to them and their pain. And even if it's not, even if it's directed at us, knowing how to accept and set boundaries. And that's a difficult dance. I mean, parenting is 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 a, is a never ending. I don't want to call it a job because I find it a labor of such deep love. It's such deep love for me and wanting to know how I can spend my life being a role model of being of living my best self and growing and evolving so that my child can model that and not feel like I'm I never I I don't want to show up as as I'm the martyr. I'm not a martyr. I can do the best I can. So mm -hmm. I think I think all the all these contemplative practices and I do a lot of embodied dancing, especially conscious mm -hmm. dancing. And yet all of these are the things that help us too and silence as well. So I wanted to make sure we bring up this topic of silence. And before we finish up in the next few minutes, um, I want to ask you again about why silence? Why has that called you into um, wanting to lead that in particular? And how can he, like you were just talking about in the workplace, that's interesting too for leaders. Where is, why, why, why silence? Silence is important because I think it's a really easy way to, get out of the head and land in the body. It stops, we, we, um, it soothes the nervous system as we, if we stop talking and kind of the up and out and the performing, the, the whole body starts to relax and the nervous system shifts a little bit. Um, it also helps us see our, our habits because many of our habits are enacted in talking. And so we come to, we can see the, the impulse, like, oh, I, I wanted to say something there. Oh, I wanted to, right? We, 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 we see the genesis 
uh, and and so then learn about ourselves. And we also see just the continuousness of our thoughts and can create a little space around them and learn to trust the embodied wisdom uh, at least as much as our thinking analytical mind. Right? Which is why I love conscious dance because it's always sober and silent, usually barefoot. Mm. And we're just kind of moving how our bodies need to release. So we're listening to the way our bodies move and feel rather than what's in our head and how we're performing. All that stuff. And then and then the sitting in between. So I that's why I have always loved silent retreats, because it offers all of that. And 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 it, it's hard at the beginning. I mean, it, it it is something that we are challenged by when awareness and and awakening arises. We're like, what? What do I do now? Yeah. And and I wanna I wanna add that silence is one of the vehicles that I use to connect people with wisdom. I I also lead uh, what we call love and action retreats, which there is talking, but the but the point in some ways is the same, which is to connect to this quality of aliveness and this, you know, this sense of what's being born and what's passing away, uh, so that we can lead for ourselves. It's um, we call it the Kripalu approach to personal and collective leadership. We can shape our own lives and in so shape the the world from this place of of wisdom, and also in September we're. We're hosting, Kripalu is hosting um, programs specifically for people anticipating, like kind of moving into perimenopause, menopause and coming through. And, and part of this will be uh, included there. Of course, we're, we're also going to have all sorts of Ayurvedic practices to help soothe and calm some of the, the physical and emotional dysregulation that happens in this in this period but we will also be connecting to this quality of of wisdom that that opens the door to uh third act wonderful so when when is that in september and what's it called so it's called unearthing the wisdom of menopause rituals for self-care and discovery wonderful what's the dates september 25th i think Okay, it's a weekend retreat, not a weekend. Yes, it's a weekend. Okay, wonderful. That's a great one to promote for Get This Out For. And 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 how can people reach you? What other kind of work, for example, or do you do coaching? I, I mean, I'm just curious if you'd like to be, I have people can access you and how and what we would like to. Yes, yes. So for any of the Kripalu offerings, you can find me at Kripalu, kripalu.org, uh, and just put in E.D. Pasalis and my page with all the P-A-S-A-L-I-S. P-A-S-A-L Pasalas with all yes. So E-D, spelled E-D-I. Right. And uh I also am uh, easily available via LinkedIn for all the work I do with coaching and teams, um helping kind of bring this uh depth into the workplace, to bring it into groups um, and to support people in living this way. Beautiful. I mean, so if you had to leave any other last words that you feel like are unsaid, that you feel like um, you'd like to say to these people in Act, someone in Act Three that is listening for what's sitting with what's sitting with you as we as you as you age, or I mean, I don't know if you, we could actually spend another couple of minutes just talking about. Uh, the cycle of the end of life, but it that could be a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Uh, the acceptance. But how does silence help us age into this 
into, into towards the end of life? Well, the cycling, this ebbing and flowing doesn't end just because we're in the third act. It's not like, you know, I think we have a narrative that our teenage years or, you know, our young life is the birthing, the and then there's the middle, which is the kind of action. And then there's the end, which is just the dying piece. You know, it's like, the, and, and I would love to disrupt that because I don't believe that at all. I think it every day we have the possibility for new beginnings and new endings. And as we get more and more comfortable with new beginnings and new endings, we we are creative and growing whatever it is we want to grow, even up to the last breath. Um, and the shape of that might change, the focus of that might change, the pace of that might change, but the the aliveness of of um, the cycling doesn't have to doesn't stop. It doesn't stop because otherwise you're just you know you're you're just you're basically dead before you're dead, right? So we, I, I don't I don't advocate for that. I advocate for for aliveness all the way through. Yeah, keep on cycling. And I actually have a 101 year old. I do mindfulness and movement for it. At a, at a, she's going to be 102 the end of this month, next, probably today or tomorrow. And she says to me, I, you know, I, I, I've done, I've been climbing this hill and now I've kind of plateaued. But you know what? She's 102. Maybe I'll climb another hill. I mean, I'm like, oh, Sylvia, she just makes me so happy to know that we are just never ending if we are lucky enough to have the health and mental facility to, to continue in cognitive. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So thank you so much for this delightful time, Edie. I've really, really valued this. And uh, and I hope um, maybe I'll, when I get to Kripalu, I sometimes come for day longs. I'll see if you're around to say hi to. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much, Tessa, for this time. Amir, I know this isn't your number one topic, so I will make my comments about it, and hopefully along the way something will emerge for those who have made it this far to listen to, because I do think that, and what I take away is this, uh, another another tool for looking at at, at perfection, as, as why am I always striving? Why is someone always striving? And when we get silent, I do believe it gets underneath that in order to allow for something that we don't we don't expect to be born. I'll tell you the truth, Tessa. I I understand the value of the silence. I really do. And I don't practice it much. It is it's always been a struggle for me to quiet my brain to the point where there's no noise, there's no rattles, there's no uh, other voices that talk to me. And it's very it's a struggle for me to be quiet. And I, but I do appreciate and understand the value of being silenced to the point where you can empty your thoughts. Okay. I, I know that you do. I just know that it takes practice and your time is not the same or priority. And actually, here's where I wanted to relate to you about music, because they say that music is not just the music itself, but actually the pause between the notes that can create this anticipation of what's next I can and see the that. pause I, I, I can is essential. The, the pause is essential. I, and so I, I like the idea of the pause being so place. And I have someone dear in my life right now as far as the perfection that when she's taken the pause as a mother and now as an open, open nester, she's realizing, you know, we don't have to have been a perfect mother. And we, we, it's maybe not about we did the best I can in some blase way, but you're, you continue to look at what can I serve 
in this relationship that will actually add value for myself and for the other. And that requires a little bit of silence and a lot of, a lot of embodiment so that you can get conscious of what's next. So you don't react, but you respond from a different place that I'm always working on and never, not arriving, but working on. And I mean, the tool she gave us, which I do like, and I'd like to try to remember that is almost if you think of refua, refua, breath, relax, feel, watch, allow. B-R-F-W-A, brefwa. It's interesting. It's not easy to say, but it's it's breathing and feeling, and that is an essential part of being and being alive. Look, I'm going to bring that back to the open nesting stage. It is, you know, with the first stages of our life till we get to the open nesting stage, we are rushing, we're running, we, we're doing, we're producing, we're being productive, we're planning, we're dreaming, we're putting our life together so we can get to that stage. And we do need to learn how to silence our head and be able to think on other, uh, on other issues. And there's only, it's, it's silence. It, it, what Edie is talking about, Edie is talking about, is mostly silence where it comes down to meditation and being uh, in a spiritual sense. There's a lot of silence that has to do with, with communication, verbal communication, with people, and that is also something that we all need to learn. I, you know, I, I forgot who said that the biggest uh, that people can say more in a pause than they can say in a whole sentence, and it is the silence in between that you were talking about, in between the notes, that really relate to that. Personally, I think I know how to practice the silence in personal and interpersonal communication, but I do not know, and I still struggle and need practice in being able to silence my own head when it's need to the most. Well, that's the challenge for a lot of us out there. So thank you for, for understanding that we all are on that journey. And thank you all for sharing and for listening and for help, really helping us to grow and to look at new ways to live at this stage of life and, and, and for making us a podcast that you share with your friends. I really appreciate it. And please continue and subscribe to the to your favorite podcast platform or go to our website, as Amir likes to put it. Yes, theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end, the Open Nesters. And, uh, or find us on social media, Instagram, and our closed Facebook group. We'd love to hear from you. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.